Well, welcome to Rybridge. It is my privilege to be with you. My name is Alfred Turley. I'm the discipleship pastor for our campuses. It's a privilege. It's, uh, it's July 4th weekend, and uh, we've been celebrating our nation, celebrating independence, and I hope you've had a good week, and no one's been harmed by any major firework explosions or anything like that, and maybe you had some fun with all that. But we're continuing the series, Songs of Summer, and I want to tell you that we actually... This week and next week will be our last uh, Songs of Summer in the series. And then in two weeks from now, we'll be kicking off a brand new series called Spirit Blockers. And this is things that block the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And this is really important. And actually, it'll figure into the message. Um, But I just want to encourage you to make that a priority in in two weeks from now uh, to come and and be a part of that message series that we'll kick off. But again, we're in Songs of Summer. And uh, I get one uh, we sang a few minutes ago. And it's called Awake My Soul. And I just want to kind of go into it immediately and just talk about this amazing song. It's, It's a newer song. It's written by a guy named Chris Tomlin, and actually some other guys participated in this, Jason Ingram, Daniel Carson, and Jesse Reeves. But if you know any Christian artist or anything, Chris Tomlin's the one you probably know. And uh, I, I was researching this a little bit, trying to, trying to understand the meaning behind this song, and, and they were very clear about where this song comes from. And so it was easy for me to say, okay, what kind of passage are we going to be studying? What are we looking at uh, to get to the meaning of this song, Awake? My soul. Um, You know, songs are so powerful. And that's what the whole series has been about. That God has given us so much. He's given us music. He's given us creativity. He's given us the arts. And God loves singing. And and it actually says in the scripture that God sings over us. And, And that's a beautiful picture that our Heavenly Father sings in love and delight over us. And He wants us to sing back. And it's a beautiful expression of our love and affection for Him. But this specific song that we get to talk about, I want to go ahead and put the key lyrics up. And let's just, let's look at them. Breathe on me, breath of God. Breathe on me. I come alive. I'm alive when you breathe on me. Awake, awake, awake my soul. God resurrects these bones from death to life through you alone. Awake my soul. Now actually, I mean, we, can, we sing a lot of these things and we let the words come out of our mouths. But we're, we're really like, hey, I mean, what is it like to have God breathe on you? I mean, is it because his breath is amazing and it smells like flowers or whatever? I mean, you know, he's just got great breath. What are we, what are we going after here when we say, breathe on me, God? We know it's more than that. And awake my soul. What does it mean when my soul's not awake? And what does it mean when these, these bones need life? What does this mean? Well, that's what we want to talk about. You see, actually, this, ver- this whole song comes from a well-known passage. If, if you've been around church world, maybe, um, there's a well-known passage in the Old Testament, the older history of the nation of Israel, the people of God. And there was a prophet who lived in his name was Ezekiel. And Ezekiel ministered to the nation of Israel, the children of God, at a very difficult time in their history. 
And so Ezekiel had an amazing experience with God. He had many amazing experiences with God, but he had one specific one. And that's what we're going to go to. And it's Ezekiel chapter 37. And God is going to give us a picture beyond belief. A picture that stirs us and helps us see what all this means. So I want to go ahead and we'll go to Ezekiel chapter 37. You can turn on your Bible, open your Bible, have it on your phone, whatever. But we'll, of course, have the words right here for us. Ezekiel, it's in the Old Testament. So Ezekiel 37, and we'll be in verses 1 through 14. So verse 1, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley and they were very dry. Then he said to me, son of man, Can these bones live? And I replied, Lord God, only you know. Now, I want to stop, you know, picture this for a moment, okay? Go there. Go there with me that there's this massive valley. And and we learn later that, that this is an army's worth of bones. So there has to be millions of individual bones out here. And so God's leading the prophet, leading Ezekiel, and he's just walking through just piles and piles and piles of bones. And they're very dry. They're baked in. The sun's roasted them. There's nothing else on them anymore. It's just white, bleached, dead bones. And God's leading him around in all this, and he's getting all this in him. And it's just this massive picture of death and bleakness. And God says, can these bones live? Now, honestly, I would think that the prophet Ezekiel with his history would be going, you better believe it. You can do anything, God. Yeah, absolutely. But God, Ezekiel gives a guarded response. He actually says, you know, only you know God. Now, why do, why do you think he gives such a guarded response? That's a, good, that's a good question that I was asking. And I think it has a lot to do with the time in which Ezekiel was ministering. The time in which he's living and what's going on with the nation of Israel at the time. And, and let me tell you that. See, see, during this time, the Israelites, you know, obviously the history of the Israelites, if you don't know... You know, they actually were in Egypt, they were slaves, and then Moses came along and God used Moses to lead them into the wilderness. They were given the law, the Ten Commandments. Then they were brought into a promised land and they miraculously came in with God's power, overtook the promised land, and they became a mighty nation with incredible government and mighty, wonderful kings rose up. There was King David, there was King Solomon, and maybe you've heard of them before. But they were amazing kings. Israel had an incredible history. And then there was this glorious temple in the middle of it where God himself, in somehow in his spiritual form, would, would inhabit this temple. And there was all these priests and all this stuff going on. And Israel was this incredible nation. You know, and I think we sometimes, if we've lived here in the United States long enough, we, we think America's pretty great. The United States is pretty great. And we get wrapped up into our identity. And I think the United States, I think America is an incredible country. And I'm, I'm very, very grateful to be here for the blessings that we have and the identity we have and the freedom that we have and enjoy. But I think Israel, Israel went through the same thing. 
but they were very wicked. And they, they you know, pushed God to the side. And God eventually sent armies to come in. And actually, they were, they were rebuked many times. They were humbled over and over. But they refused to turn to God. And eventually, they were taken out of Israel. Israel was totally destroyed as a nation. The temple was burned to the ground. And the, these are exiles outside of Israel, you know, hundreds of miles away in a foreign country. And Ezekiel is charged with ministering to these exiles. So here's, here's Israel, Ezekiel's context. They're all, they've given up, they've lost everything. They've lost their nation. They've lost their identity. They've lost their, their temple worship. Everything that they held dear, they've lost. And that's the context in which Ezekiel is living himself. And while he's trying to trust God and trying to have hope, he's struggling with a little bleakness himself. You know, some of us in our lives... You know, a lot of us, maybe things are going really good. Maybe life is good, the job's good, the marriage is good. That's, that's great. Maybe life's kind of stressful. Maybe it's tense. Maybe some hard things. Maybe you're going through a, a, a health challenge or a marriage challenge or something going on in the family. It's a, t- it's a tougher time. But I want to talk to a special group that maybe everything is really bleak and dark. That maybe everything is just dead. Maybe the divorce has been final for a while. Maybe someone has died. Maybe there's been a tragedy. And you don't know how you're going to get through it. Maybe there's something like that. Maybe you just simply don't know how to go forward. And everything you had hoped for. All your visions of life are gone. And so if God or anyone comes to you and says, can life be restored? Can hope come back? Can I be happy again? Can I have love again? Can I have full life again? Can I, can I have hope and a future and a purpose again? And you're like, don't talk to me about that junk. I just want to survive. I just want to get through this day and try to have another one. So don't come to me with your hope and saying, can life be great again? I just want to get through this. Now that's who the Israelites were at this time. That's the context. And that is where God is speaking specifically in this situation. Only God knows. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever been in that moment? Only God knows. So then God says to Ezekiel, prophesy concerning these bones, verse 4. And say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you and make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. You see, God is asking Ezekiel something here. He's saying, Ezekiel, I know this is tough, but I want you to speak to these bones. I want you to take, I want you to take my word and give it to them. And Ezekiel's like, I mean, you know, okay. I mean, this seems a little bit crazy and a little bit impossible, but all right. And and let me give you a parallel here. You see, because in this situation, God's asking Ezekiel, believe me. Take a step. I want you to do something and believe me. 
And I remember there's a story where Jesus, when he meets some of his disciples in the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus is actually in Peter's boat. Peter's a fisherman, and Jesus is teaching from Peter's boat. Again, before Peter was really called as a disciple, they had been fishing all night, and Jesus gets in Peter's boat, and they're out on the water, and he teaches the crowds from it. And then when he's done teaching, he, the carpenter, tells Peter, the professional fisherman, hey, put down your nets for a catch. And Peter goes, Look, Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. But because it's you, I will put down the nets. Now, can you imagine? Peter is like, all right, Mr. Carpenter, I appreciate you. You're very spiritually wise. I'll put the nets down, and then we'll do this, and we'll show you. We'll pull them back up, and I'll humor you. Well, Peter puts the nets down. The team puts the nets down, and they have such a miraculous catch of fish that they actually swamp the boats and have trouble getting all the fish in. And that's kind of the same situation. That's a little parallel here. God's asking Ezekiel, believe me. You see, when we look in the Bible, and we look over and over in the Old Testament, the New Testament, any, if you've been around any kind of religion, you've heard this term faith, right? We've heard this term faith before. And we hear that what, your faith is so important. And what about your faith? And this faith and that faith. And what's your faith in all this? Why is, God, why is faith such a big deal to God? Why is faith such a big deal to God? And see, even more importantly, think about what Jesus... There's, there's a passage where Jesus is talking to a blind man. And Jesus says to this blind man, According to your faith, will it be done to you? This is Matthew 9, 29. But Jesus said many other things just like that. To one lady, he said, Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. He said to another person, Only believe. You know, when someone was really doubting, he said to someone else, Anything is possible to him who believes. So Jesus said something. He's saying, Your faith is critical and key. Why is our faith? So important. Well, I want to give you a few things on that. The first, God is always trying to bring us into relationship with Him. You see, this is the key thing to me that's so huge about Christianity, about us following Jesus, is that it's a relationship with a God who loves us, who wants to be close to us. And it says in the beginning in Genesis, when Adam and Eve were created, that they walked with God in the garden in the cool of the day. Wouldn't that be incredible? To walk with this incredible God who loves us so much and wants a personal, intimate relationship with us? God has so much of himself to give that he would love to be best friends with you. And me, all of us at the same time. That's how big he is. That's how much of himself he has to give. He wants a personal, intimate relationship with us. But here's the problem. Any relationship is dependent on trust or faith. Faith, trust, interchangeable. Here's the thing here. I can't have a relationship with someone that... I don't think is safe for me to be around. Can you be around someone that you think is going to hurt you? That's going to harm you? That's, that's not going to keep your confidences? That you can't be vulnerable with? That if you are vulnerable with, they're going to go gossip about it or spread around? Can you be around someone like that? Can you have a close, intimate relationship with someone like that? No. And that's the thing here is that God is trying to get the Israelites to say, Trust me. 
But they don't trust him anymore. They don't feel safe with him anymore. It's not his fault. But that's, that's the thing here. And so God is always coming. He's trying to improve our faith, increase our faith, because our relationship with him depends on it. Now, here's, here's two more things here. And I, these, you know, when, I, when I've heard Jesus say, according to your faith will it be done to you, sometimes I wondered, is that some sort of like magic thing that, you know, okay, I have faith and now it releases the powers of the spiritual realm into my life or something like that. And, you know, you can get into some new age thing of only believe and you'll receive, stuff like that. You know, and it can get kind of weird. But I realized something when I was praying about this. Our faith determines what we reach for. Do you realize this? That our faith determines what we're willing to reach for in our lives. You know, I can be walking down, uh, walking down a garden and there's a tree next to me with apples all over it. But if I don't know they're apples, I don't matter how hungry I am. If I have no faith in that as food, I'm not going to reach for it. We reach for what we know will bring life to us. What will bless us. What will make our life better. Our faith determines what we reach for. We will not reach for God. We will not seek after God. We will not prioritize Him if we do not think it's going to make our lives better. We will not spend time with God in a personal relationship. We won't get the Bible open and read it. We won't pray to him if we don't think it makes any difference, if it does any good. We won't do that. But it does. And that is what God is trying to get us to, to see, that it determines what we reach for and what we will risk for. And so many of us, here's one of the things, if you are not hungry for God, if you're just like, I really am not hungry for God at all, I'm I mean, I'm here, and I'm kicking the tires on this Christianity thing, but I'm not really hungry for this, I don't really see what difference it makes, you just don't have faith yet, your, your eyes are not open to this, and so you're not reaching for God, you're not reaching after him, we won't reach for his power and help without faith, we're not going to go after it. The next, our faith determines what we see. Let me just, let me just stop. I, I, this is so, so clear. Have we ever, and maybe some of you have been atheists or been in that place in the past where, you know, and I, I've argued with people before that were atheists or just really having a tough time in any way trusting God. And honestly, we're giving, I'm giving complete, clear evidence and facts, and they just don't want to hear it. They're just like, no, that's not God. Or, you know, you're, well, this could have happened and this could have happened and this could have happened. I remember one day arguing with a guy and I said, and I said, uh, he said this. He said, how can you look at this incredible world with all its complexity and all of this, the trees and everything else and say that some God made it? And I looked at him and said, how can you look at this world with all its complexity and creativity and the trees and everything else and say that it just happened? And so I realized that without faith, we just won't see God. We won't see him at work around us. And this is so true. People in Jesus' day, he was doing miracles left and right. And they refused to acknowledge or see that it was him, that it was God in him. And sometimes they're saying, oh, it was Satan. It was Beelzebul. It was the demons that are giving you this power. They didn't want to see it because they didn't believe in who he was. Without faith, we will miss God. And I want to tell you. On that same thing, 
fear blinds us to God so quickly. Fear and doubt blinds us to what God is trying to do, blinds us to him trying to reach into our lives. So in many ways, the grace of God, the love of God is actually trying, God is trying to pour it into our lives. But our faith is what opens us up to receive it, to reach for it, to grab it, and to accept it. So Ezekiel, in verse 7, as we continue the story, Ezekiel obeys God. He says, so I prophesied as I had been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. Can you imagine seeing this? And as I looked, tendons appeared on them. Flesh grew and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And God said, he said to me, God said, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the Lord God says. Breath, come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. The breath entered them and they came to life and stood on their feet. A vast army. This is a dramatic miracle. Can you imagine seeing this? Can you imagine seeing the bones flying together and skin appearing and tendons and all this stuff? And them standing to life as the breath of God, which symbolizes the Holy Spirit. Throughout the, throughout the Bible, you see the wind symbolized as the presence of God in spirit form, the Holy Spirit. And this beautiful miracle happens and what is left standing is a vast army of fully alive people. Life restored. Here are some symbolic pictures, though, that God is giving Ezekiel and Israel through this. And this, is, I, this ties right into the psalm. This is the breathe on me and this is the waken me. But I want you to hear this, please. There is nothing in your past, present, or future that God does not have the power to overcome. No divorce, no cancer, no death, no tragedy, no bankruptcy, no unforgiveness, no conflict. God does not cause terrible tragedies, but he is totally able to work in them. He is totally powerful enough to turn them around and restore, restore your heart back to life and your life back to life. He is able. Next, there is no real life or power apart from the Holy Spirit. And that's the breath of God breathing in us. And I need to tell you something. I, I've been a Christian since I was about seven years old and I really began really following Jesus when I was probably 20. So I've been a Christ follower probably a long time. And I have to tell you that the longer I walk with Jesus, the more powerless I realize I am. And I realize every day that I can do nothing apart from God. I can do nothing apart from Jesus. I can do nothing apart from the Spirit's work in my life every day. And Jesus, went, Jesus said, I'm going away so that I can send the counselor, the comforter. He sends the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us. And we decide we're going to follow Jesus. When we begin following him through faith, the Holy Spirit comes into our life and begins to empower us and fuel us to live a new life. He is the breath. 
He is when we say, breathe on me, breath of God. Holy Spirit, come inside of me. Give me the power. And I have to tell you, I have learned now. I mean, Jesus said this. Jesus said in John 15, remain in me and I'll remain in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And he's talking about a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I have to tell you, I get up now and every morning I start at zero. And I say, listen God, I just want to remind you and remind me that nothing good is going to happen today unless you do it. And so if anything good happens today, I'm going to chalk it up to you. Now this, I'm, I'm a failure at the beginning. So I'm not going to claim any success. I'm going to give it all to you. But if anything good things happen, it's because you did it. And that way, I'm not carrying the weight of all the failures I know I'm going to generate if I try to do it on myself. You know, so I am getting up every day and starting right there at nothing. And saying, Holy Spirit, come. Give me the power. Give me the strength. Change me. And I have to tell you. There has never been a significant change in my life apart from me asking the Holy Spirit to change me. I have been freed from addictions. I've been freed from slander. I've been freed from, mostly from some, excuse me, anger. Uh, my children have brought a new level of anger. Uh, that's, that's a new one. We're working on that one. But anger and gossip and all sorts of things. And I mean, there's been seasons of complacency, seasons of just jealousy, seasons of insecurities. And I can tell you, I conquer nothing. The Holy Spirit conquers everything. What are you, what are you, how are you working on things in your life? What are you going after? How are you doing it? Is it the Spirit or is it you? Are you just trying to do it yourself? Or is it the Holy Spirit? Here's the thing. I reach for the Holy Spirit every day because I have found I can't do it without Him. I know He's the power. To change my life. Do you know he's the power to change yours? We need the Holy Spirit daily. I am convinced. And let me tell you what a prophetic picture is. A prophetic picture is when God gives us a physical picture that demonstrates a spiritual reality. I am personally convinced this is not, I, you, I can't back this up anywhere. I'm just, I think it's true. I am convinced that God has given us a prophetic picture that our very act of breathing is prophetic in showing us our need for him. That I need, because again, in the scriptures, the wind symbolizes the Holy Spirit. It symbolizes air flowing around. The Holy Spirit is like the wind. Jesus compares the Holy Spirit to the wind in one passage. And so here I am. And I must, the only way I can live is if I constantly breathe. And we need the Holy Spirit daily. And it's interesting because in the scriptures, we know that when we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes into us and begins to fill us. But yet we see throughout the New Testament, and you can look this up, and if this is new to you, that's okay. You can look up that there were several times where it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And even one point, Jesus stood up with joy, filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can see several places where it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's what we're saying. saying we get the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have us? And are we constantly pursuing a fresh filling? A fresh engagement with an intimate relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. And is pursuing Him in love and faith. We need this. Real life, the life of joy and happiness and purpose and fulfillment only comes from a daily connection to God. 
That's one of the reasons why around here you hear us talking about time with God. Having a daily devotion, which you can always sign up for. There's information in the connections areas of all our campuses. A daily devotion to help you engage in the Word of God. Engage in prayer and seek God. You know, you can get in a small group. It helps you be in relationships that other people can help speak into your life and help you understand how to more surrender to the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you, it's time to surrender for the first time through obeying Jesus and being baptized. We'd love to celebrate those things with you. And of course, please in two weeks come back as we talk about spirit blockers and we get into the subject even more. But let's continue with our story. Verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. You will know that I am the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. You see, I will put, go ahead and go to the next one, I'm sorry. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. You see, here's what's going on. They really, they again, they have lost hope because their national identity, all the things that they treasured, truly the blessings of God, the blessings of a relationship with God, they've lost them. But what they've forgotten is that's not the best part. You see, they're pursuing the blessings of the God, but not the God. And they've forgotten something that he said over and over. He said, you are my people. You see, what they've forgotten, they had lost sight of their greatest treasure, that they were God's people. They were his children. They took their eyes off the relationship completely. And while their circumstances were difficult, they were still loved. And he's still wooing them, still calling them forward and saying, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to fulfill my promises. I'm going to resurrect this whole situation. And your faith won't, your faith won't be in the way. It will be so clear you will know that I am the Lord. Because I will do a miracle. It will be in your midst. And you will not have any doubt. And you will say, only God could do this. And our God gives us a picture of what he is going to do through Jesus. You see, that's the whole resurrection. That's the whole life coming in. That's the whole spirit coming in, living inside of us. That's what Jesus has purchased for us. He was inviting them back to believe in his love. And Jesus, through Jesus, our death is now brought to life. Jesus took our spiritual death and he took it through baptism. We die. We, we go down. We die to ourselves. We die to these dead bodies in the first place. And we come to life in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes in and fills us with new life and a new ability. And allows us to be a new creation. That's what Jesus has given us. And that's what God is telling Ezekiel. That is what he's showing and what he's prophesying. We need God. We need the Holy Spirit. We need Him today. I want to I tell you a little story in just a minute. 
Um, well, I'll tell you a little story right now. So very, uh, 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 someone who's now become a close friend. And I have permission to tell this. I, have a, I remember the first time I met this person. And here's the situation is an, an elder and I were headed to meet with a family or with, with a man. And um, we had heard the, the marriage was kind of falling apart a little bit. And it was a lot of strain and stress. And it was because of a constant drug use. And, and this man just couldn't, couldn't shake it. Um, couldn't get out of it, and it was it was a serious drug addiction. And um, I remember driving to uh, to meet with him. I'd never met with him before. And this elder and I were talking, and this elder just knew a lot about drugs and knew a lot about addiction and recovery. And he said, "You know, I don't. This is going to be a really tough one. I don't think he's going to be able to do what it takes to break this level of addiction. And you know, this type of addiction usually requires major separation from life. You've got to go away, and and sometimes that does. It's all very true. But he's saying, I think this is going to really be a tough one, and um, and we knew this family couldn't afford this level of separation. And I remember headed toward this meeting, and really having no hope. And I really was like, well, I'm going into a counseling situation where I'm really going to, I'm going to pretend to give somebody hope, but I'm really not giving them any hope because, you know, this seems like a very desperate, dire, hopeless situation. And I remember headed back and I was almost in the room with with the man. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke inside of me and it just, inside me somewhere, I heard, Alfred, if I'm not enough, then you're in the wrong business. Well, um, I stopped and I thought, you are enough. You are enough. You are enough. And while I know we have to put hard work into our recovery, and I know we have to put hard work into these things, I know where the power comes from. And Jesus, you are enough. And I remember going into that situation And this man was humble and he was broken. And right there he prayed to follow and receive Christ. And just I laid my hands on him. And I prayed right then, Holy Spirit, fill him. Holy Spirit, enable him. Holy Spirit, give him the strength and the power to overcome and to do what he needs to do. Holy Spirit, fill him to overflowing. And let him pursue you with victory. And it is my joy to say, That after many years clean and a marriage renewed and restored, that I can continue to say with total faith, Jesus is enough. The Holy Spirit is enough. God is enough. Now we're actually going to close singing the song Awake My Soul Again together. And in just a moment, I will, um, I'll ask our ushers, when I pray, ask our ushers to come forward. We're going to take an offering. That's for those who call Rockbridge home. If you're new here, please feel no pressure. But we want to sing this song together and worship God together and cry out to God together. Because I want to tell you, maybe, maybe you're not in that moment of dire desperation. But you might be. Or you could be soon. But I know that there are some of you. I hear the stories and I know that there are many 
in that place of, God, these bones are dead. This is a dead situation. This is hopeless. Only you can fix this. And I want to beg you to believe. Beg you to cry out. Beg you to pray. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. So today, as we close and pray and sing, would you decide to believe in his love for you as a child? Would you ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you completely, to breathe on you? Would you let your faith rise up and believe that you can live fully again? Because he is able. Across all our campuses, would you pray with me now as we move into a time of offering and we worship God together and seek more of his spirit. Father, we come to you today with trust, with faith, with a faith that is reaching more than it's reached before, with a faith that is asking and hoping to see you more than ever before, with a faith that is saying, I want you, not just the blessings and the trappings of a life with you. Father, we come right now and we say, awaken our souls those who are dead, to full life in you, Lord Jesus. To those situations that are dead and hopeless, to a new hope and a new faith. But to every single one of us, breathe on us, Holy Spirit. Breathe on us and fill us with yourself. To the glory of your name we pray. Amen.